Different events in depth discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and welcome to African Dialogue. You're tuned into Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa. We bring you news from an African perspective. Well, we're broadcasting live from South Africa, our headquarters in Johannesburg at the SABC. I'm your host, Ayandam Kwanazi. We're currently on the DSTV Channel 802, or you can live stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today on the show, we look at South African women in poetry and is there room for them to express themselves through their poems or literature? Is there support provided for them? Where are women in poetry going in South Africa in the next 10 years? Poetry is considered as one of the most universal and important vehicles of human expression as it encapsulates various human experiences in an understandable and well-documented manner. Africa is rich in literature and poetry, as we also know that in South Africa, poetry was used as a tool to fight against the apartheid regime. On the show today, we ask our guests, how has poetry evolved over the last 10 years, and how has this affected the way they perform? On the line, I'm joined by Nomsa Mazwai, who is a poet and author, as well as, as, well as Natalia Molebazi, who's also a poet and author in South Africa. Good morning to you, ladies, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Let me start with you, uh, Nomsa. You've been a poet for for quite many uh, for many years now, and coming from a family that's rich in in poetry and literature, how has the experience been for you as an individual and finding your own identity in the space of poetry? Hello. Hello, Nomsa. Can you hear me? Hi, yes, I can hear you. Are you just broke up a little bit there? Okay, that's fine. I'm saying let me just start with you. You know, being born into a family of poets, musicians, and rich in that uh, literature. How has it been crafting your own identity as a poet in the space? I think for me, creating uh, my own space was not all that difficult because... Um, I got this, I don't know, it's, it's an energy or a, or a need to do something. And when I was in high school, uh, that's when it all started, writing on the poetry. And um, even when I would write, and I would take it really seriously, I still had this desire and this need to write my thoughts in a way that is enjoyable to listen to and enjoyable to perform. And so that continued throughout my life. I think for me, really, there was a space in the world that existed for me for poetry and I spent so many years doing anything else but that and then uh, finding a comfort zone and being like okay maybe this is what I've always been supposed to be doing. Supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and when you started identifying that you've got this gift and this talent how do you start molding yourself? Do you still just find it as a hobby to you or did you really actually realize that this is actually a talent? That's a difficult question because I think as artists, I don't think we think that much or that deeply about 
um, what we're doing or the, the, the expression, the art of expression. Mm. And so most of the time, you're just doing it because you, you feel you must. So you watch something, you read something, you see something, and you want to articulate whatever you've just read or seen or thought about. And then you, you may want to share it, uh, to a group of people, and then it, and then it catches on, and more people want to hear about it. So, I I would say that I I have never really thought about my poetry as a space that offered a future for me, because also you got to remember, as 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 young South Africans, as young Black South Africans, we've always been sold this concept of what it means to be employed, what it means to be successful, and that's never been a poet. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, you know, I, I, I spent my years studying. I, I've got a master's in economics. I, in my work is in economic development and in business. Um, my poetry is a past, is, uh, is, is something very pleasurable that I get to do every now and then. Mm-hmm. Let me come to you, Natalia. How easy was it for you to find your space in this creative environment of poetry? Uh, I don't think it's ever easy to to navigate the the creative uh, business or the creative space as artists. You know, there's always the stigma put around. You know, what I'm saying around. You know, the the judgment around who's successful and and, and what are the measures thereof. So it, it's never easy, but obviously your gifts are your gifts. And I mean, you know, throughout my career as as an artist, as a creative person, I've always had uh, words um, as, as an artist, as a creative artist, as a, as a possibility and as a space for me to express myself, um, to, to use my voice, and especially because it's been so difficult for our ancestors to 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 lose their voices. So mm-hmm. I think this time, I mean, I started performing poetry around 2001, and just watch how the space has grown, how the space has evolved, and how many young people have come out to 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 express it themselves. And you know, poetry also is is such a it, it holds so much. And what I mean by that is that you find that people start out as poets and they become journalists or they become musicians. So, and but the poetry is always there. So it's 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 um it's a genesis, if you may say, um of of so many other spaces, and uh, it's 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 also a grounding force. You know, you always come back to it, or you always mix other forms of expression uh, through, through it, be it through your academic uh, uh, um, writing or through your journalistic or through uh, music on stage, you know, and it, it, it has also enabled us to collaborate with so many other artists, so many other art forms. So, yeah, um, but, you know, there's, there's two things. There's I, I suppose it's easy because just my breathing, that's what poetry is to us. That's what we do. But um, to place ourselves, 
to make sure that our voices are heard and our voices are heard in the spaces it needs to be uh, um, operating from. So sometimes it does get um, a difficult, you know, um, yeah, because mm-hmm. we also live in a country that is so obsessed with celebrity and obsessed with trending. And poetry doesn't always trend, but it doesn't fade. And I'm... Uh just to stick with you, Natalia, you know, you touched a bit on the ancestors that it wasn't so easy. And we know that poetry really does hold a special place in our country's history. You know, it was used as a communicative tool during apartheid. But now, fast forward 25 years into democracy, we're facing different challenges of unemployment, of, of poverty. How can we use poetry now, as it's evolving, you mentioned, to address the issues that we are now facing 25 years later? Um, I don't think that the the issues that we are facing are so much different from what uh, our elders were facing. You know, they've just kind of uh, morphing into, uh, you know, I guess they're magnifying themselves as well. And also we are seeing them through different lenses because we have social media, for example. Um, But, yeah, I think think that because poets keep on coming up, um, then the voices become more and more, you know, um, amplified to, to, to address the issues that we're facing, that we have been facing um, forever. For example, the issue around rape um, and, and gender-based violence mm. has always been there, you know. Um, I, I think now the difference is that more and more young women poets and men and males but women are speaking so much about it and 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 the media through which this poetry is heard is so much more because people can 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 put their poems through all the social media channels Mm -hmm. you know radio has also been so receptive of these spaces you know and also because poets are content producers in a lot of these uh, um, uh, uh, mass media spaces, young black women poets mm-hmm. are, are creating spaces for, for more poetry to be heard. So I think that would be the difference between 25 years ago and now. Mm. What's your take on that, uh, Nomsa? Do you think that we can address the challenges we're facing now using this creative space and using poetry? So I am a, a young person of the future, mm. and I like to imagine what does my future look like and how can I be involved in that future. And so for young um, poets out there who are unemployed, I think it's, it, we have to start thinking very pragmatically about life and how it is that we become part of where the world is moving to. So, for example, I am really hungry mm-hmm. for that poet who writes a poem every week about what happened in the news in South Africa. Mm-hmm. In a performance on a video in, on their phone, but I'm looking for that poet who's going to catch me up on the week, but using poetry that is engaging, that I can 
just get on my phone or get on YouTube or I can just watch it. Mm. Or I'm looking for that poet that when I want to go to, um, you've got to think about what are people doing. People are going to restaurants, or they're going out, or they're doing things, they're going to parks. It would be so great. I mean, I know I go on Google Maps all the time, and I know a lot of South Africans use Google Maps. You know, how do you use what they, what people are doing every day, and how do you fit yourself into the world of the future and make sure that it, it makes money for you and that it makes it sustainable? So that artist that goes to Joy of Jazz or to Jazz on the Lake or to a, some park in, in Bedford View, Mm. and does a, an expression, a poetic expression, like you become a travel poet. Like, mm. we just tune into a poem because we want to know about these places, but we want to hear them being described by a poet. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Like, if she's looking to go to George Jazz, and then there's a kid that says, oh, well, you can watch this poet, and they describe it through poetry. Mm. It's about thinking about tomorrow. It's about thinking about the future. It's about being engaged. I think poets have a huge role to play, especially in ensuring that we continue to ask the questions that nobody wants to think about mm. and and to in, inspire people to do more. So I also think that poets are the motivators of tomorrow because mm. um, they have a way of telling a story. I mean, this, this question, it, it takes a lot of young people to think about it and to brainstorm ideas, but I think as young people, we've got to be brave enough to think about to think about something completely different and mm. to do it mm. and to not be afraid of what people are going to think about what you're doing but to do what you think is going to work in the future mm. and I think that's where we are right now we're at a time when we only need to be thinking about where we want to go what is the South Africa we want to live and look like and make ourselves a part of that that's the voice of Nom Samazwai. Alongside her is Natalia Mulebadzi. Both poets and authors in their own right in South Africa were taking a break. And I want to go into the question about men versus women, uh, ladies. Is men's poetry more recognized? Is it, you know, do we get more attention drawn to it? and less to women's poetry. And I want us to just listen to an interview I had earlier with Lebo Mashile on her thoughts on that while I also engage you, but we'll do that after the break. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger, in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Abu Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9, and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. I remember before Kevin died, you know, last year, um, he often said that the, the, there's a, a qualitative difference in the way that, particularly like right now, black African women are writing and the way that men are writing. And, and he was saying this in praise of the kind of work that is being produced by black women poets in this country and in the, in the, in the diaspora around the world. Um, I think, 
Well, I mean, it is a fact that for many, 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 many years and generations, women writers, particularly black women writers in this country, were marginalized. Black women writers were told that writing about the experiences that we have as women, the experiences of violence, the experiences of misogyny and patriarchy, that this was kind of counter-revolutionary because there was a bigger struggle to liberate the black nation to, to end apartheid. You know, as if the struggle to liberate women is not a part of the struggle for liberation, you know, in general. But anyway, I mean, that was, that was a deliberate kind of silencing tactic. And when I started out on the poetry scene, as with many other um, women writers that, 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 I, I have, that I shared space with, um, we would, you know, men would say things like, our work is soft, our work is not political, our work lacks urgency, our work is not as articulate, our work is not as refined. Um, people, I think, will, will use all kinds of ways to try to dismiss the quality of women's work. And, and, and actually, they, they deliberately avoid doing the work of analyzing what women are doing in their craft, you know? People are very comfortable to call me a great performer. Um, and sometimes, you know, within the literary community, people will say that, that my, the, the success that I've experienced as a poet and the position that I occupy is because I am such a good performer, but that my writing is weak. But the same people who will say that will not engage with my work thematically, will not engage with the tools that I'm using in my work, will not look at the craftsmanship or the composition of my work, will not look at my work and, and, and engage with it line for line on paper, even though I'm a published author, will not look at the fact that I'm a multidisciplinary artist making work that lives across mediums, that, that my practice over the last 20 years has been about making poetry exist in different spaces. Um, so I, do, I also think that there's a way in which society socializes men to not engage with their emotions, to not be introspective, uh, to not be self-reflective, and that you hear that in the quality of men's poetry in this country, you know? And that's the voice of South African poet and writer Lebu Mashile. Natalia, what do you make of those views? Are men still viewing women's poetry as soft and not as articulate as Lebu Mashile has described in that interview? And it's not, uh, yes, I agree, and it's, it's not specifically to poets, mm. to, to poetry or to poets. It's, it's everywhere, you know, in the way in which we are socialized. We are socialized as followers and men as leaders. So something has to be uh, extra special about you or, or, or something has to be wrong with you if you are going to be a leader in your own right and if you're going to... Um, use your voice in in a, in, in, in a, in a multi-faceted way, in a, in a multidisciplinary space as a creator, right? So, so mm-hmm. um, it's seen it's seen as an abnormal or as something. It's not a norm. So, so people don't get used to women as being good mm-hmm. at what they do and as being legitimate and as being, um, you know, contributors of quality work. So, you know, we are always seen as less in whatever way, you know. Um, so I, I, I couldn't agree with, with Lebo, and, and that it is 
it is a struggle. Um, that you know, as opposed to being seen as as poets and as, and, and as creators in this world, um, we are seen as as you know, the moment you are seen as a woman creator, um, then you are seen as as less of a creator versus their counterparts. You know. Um, and also because we live in a society that does not value uh, emotion, the politics of emotion, you know. Um, so, so, so the minute you come out with an analysis of 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 of, of a situational or an environment in an emotional manner, mm. then your work is as weak and as less, you know. And and also because. Uh, we as women have always there's a history of objectifying and and, and hypersexualizing women. So you know it's better to see you on stage than to read your work because first of all we want to see how you look or how you dress. Whereas men don't have to deal um, with with those things, you know. Uh, so yeah. How do we then overcome that, Nomsa, having to constantly explain ourselves, constantly create our own platforms, whereas the platform is big enough for all of us to rise and to shine? For, and I love what Natalia uh, just spoke about, because when I entered the industry, and I love how you also introduced me, I do come from a family of writers and performers, singers, you know, mm. And I remember when I entered this music industry, I'm a very, and this arts industry, creative industry. Mm. I, I was very observant. And what I saw was that there were some people who made it purely on talent. Mm. There were. But I saw that there were very few of them. Mm. I saw that not everybody who's talented makes it. Mm. But I did see that everyone who takes their clothes off does make it. Mm. Mm. And I saw that everybody who does exactly what they, the, what men expect of them to mm. do as women, who make it. Mm. And I made a, an analysis of this environment, and I said to myself, I don't know, I want to protect my art. And I want to protect my experience. And because I want to do that, I, 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 I focus on my, my academics. I, you know, I'm, I run a theater. That's mm-hmm. what I do from nine to five. My legitimate money comes from a theater. Mm-hmm. And it's a job with the government, with the city. Um, and that's what I do every day of my life. I wake up and I run a theater. And, and, and then there's moments of bliss where I get an opportunity to share my art, which I got to do last Friday, mm. and to share exactly who I am, and I get on that stage, and I have no inhibitions about, am I this enough, am I that enough, is this really this enough? I'm not thinking about any of that. All I'm thinking about is my audience, mm. and are they going to be entertained, and am I going to give them the message that I want to get across to them? I'm going to leave my show thinking about the things that I think about, and I'm going to move people. And 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 and, I'm, and I know for a lot of artists that's just not possible. 
that in my life I was able to make that choice, and I did make that choice. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, obviously there's something that you lose out on. Um, you know, you don't get booked every gig because you're not gigging all the time. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows what you're doing. Um, but when you do get when you do get on that stage, it's so authentic mm-hmm. and so enjoyable. And there can be no one who can walk up to me and tell me anything about my writing or tell me anything about my emotional state or my watch or my what. Mm-hmm. You know, those people, when they walk up to me and they start talking to me, I literally just zone out because I'm like, you know, when you switch on the TV to watch Generations, you don't say this and that shouldn't happen. You, you just cover up this what do you want to invoke in people what do you want to invoke in people so when you're on stage that opportunity that comes you like you're saying once in a while what 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 would it say to people when you're performing, when you have that opportunity? When every single time I get on stage, I am priming the people that I want to move forward in South Africa with. I have a vision for my life. I have a dream for my life. I have things that I want to achieve before I, I, I die. And so in this first 40 years of my life, my focus is about getting young people to think critically about where they're at because I think mm. that the, the, the South Africa of tomorrow needs critical thinkers. And so for me, if anything, I just want to create critical thinkers so that when we're moving into the future, we are dealing with people who are asking questions mm. and who are saying, but why is it like that? And why are we doing it like this? And why is the commission continuing and nobody is doing anything at the police station? Why are we hearing about the theft but nobody's being arrested? Why is it that when you live in the first world, you, the, how law and order apply to you is different to whether you, if, to a person who lives in the second world? If you live in Soweto, how law and order apply to you is not the same as when you live in Santa. Why is that? I want those. I want young people to ask those questions. Young people whose eyes are open to that because the African continent is young. And we can really change the future of this continent. Call me young. Hmm. So for me, it's about that. And that's what I do every time I get on stage. Well, that's the voice of Nomsa Mazwai, who is a poet and author. Alongside her is Natalia Molebazi, also a poet and author in South Africa. I want to take a last break. And after the break, I want us to sort of conclude our, our discussion here, find a way forward. Where do you see poetry going in the next five years and we'll listen to the last part of an interview that I had um, with, with Lebu Mashile talking about we're moving into this exciting space where things are, are shifting there's a global shift, there's a political shift women are now being given these spaces and these platforms to be themselves and to use their crafts and what they enjoy doing and, and just to see where we're going in the next five years for black women and poetry in South Africa Building Africa with Love.
Bujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us get it to it with our hearts, and if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday, and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Welcome to Change Your Game here on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Peta. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. More support, despite a bit more in young creatives and entrepreneurship, but actually do it, don't just talk about it, actually do it, you know, because there are a lot of creative minds, there are a lot of intelligent human beings in our country, so I think we should invest more in that and take it seriously, because it's a real thing. Catch us every Friday at 900 hours Central African time with Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We're living in a very exciting moment where there's a, a, a global, political, spiritual, cultural shift that is happening. Um, there's, it's like a, a second, I don't know how many, I don't know which wave it is, but there's another wave of kind of... Um, ideological uh, revolution around social justice. And uh, you see it in movements like the body positivity movement. You see it in the centering of LGBTQIA people and, and the, the, the importance of addressing uh, homophobia as, as a toxic societal problem. You see it in you see it in the last you know five to seven years with movements like Freedom of Fall, movements like Black Lives Matter, uh, this new wave of feminism where you have even top icons embracing feminism as, as an ideology, as uh, embracing the term and the label feminist, you know, as, and self-identifying as feminist. Um, and I mean, 20 years ago, this kind of this this way of thinking, this this um, mainstream, what they call your know, wokeness, um, would would have been kind of unheard of, you know. Um, I mean, I I remember you know calling myself a feminist and 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 people looking at me like I'm crazy or people thinking that you want to kill men or castrate men, you know. Um, so I mean, it's an exciting moment right now where we're seeing people who have been marginalized claiming space, claiming their voice, and talking back to the center, and demanding justice, you know, demanding justice around environmental issues, you know, finally seeing how indigenous people um, are, are, are responding to, to the attacks on, on the natural landscape, you know, that, that people have called their homes for, for millennia. I mean, we're seeing this everywhere from, from Canada, North America, to the Amazon right now. So. Um, and I think within that, you know, seeing how black women uh, are taking center stage, seeing how um, black women are finally getting the credit that we deserve for also being architects of culture, you know, seeing the rise of, of black women producers and black women filmmakers and extraordinary black women artists, talents, seeing, you know, the rise of black women authors, um, and, you know, and, and that's just in the creative sector, you know. It, 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 
it's a really wonderful, incredible moment to be alive, to bear witness to, and to be an artist making work in. That's the voice of Lebo Mashire. Natalia, how do we move forward? I mean, I like the way she describes it, that there's a stage, we're now on center stage, and we've got these opportunities just coming at our doorstep. How do we use those opportunities to further excel in in whatever message that we are giving as artists and creative people? I think it's so important for us to continue doing what we do, and Right now, we can see there are some results. The fact that young people, young women, are able to say out loud that I'm a feminist without fearing backlash or without even caring. Um, for young people to be queer activists without um, fearing consequences, you can see that more and more people are. Uh, finding their own voice and they're using their own voice because it's so important when you use your own voice, you know that you are touching someone else as well. And the kind of freedom that we are summoning, it's not easy, but, you know, for us to, you know, the freedom that we are summoning through our voices, through our bodies, that it's okay. If you want to go up on stage and take off your clothes, it's okay, you know, and you're not doing it because you're doing it for men, uh, whatever reason that you might be doing it, it's your reason, it's okay. Um, the fact that you can be dressed in a mini skirt and still have brains, because remember we are so judged. Uh, according to how you look and how you dress, therefore mm. you must be a particular person and you are, you are looking for the attention of men. So the, the kind of, we're given the male gaze and the white gaze too, back to itself, uh, to say we're not doing our lives, we're not creating our lives um, uh, or fashioning our existence around the opinions or the intentions or even the approval of men and white people. Mm. No, I'm so, sorry. so that yes. kind of message says to us that we are fashioning another type mm. of black girl. You know, a future type of feminist or queer person or anybody living anywhere, whether it's in suburbia or in the township. Mm -hmm. The level of confidence is so important. Exactly. Nam, so what are your parting shots? Where do you see poetry going in the next five years? I think poets, young poets, male, female, especially the female, must be bold, create the platforms, create the spaces. Um, at the Soweto Theatre, we have poetry there every last Thursday of the month. Mm. School Poetic Thursdays, every last Thursday. So tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night is poetry. And we always have an audience. It is, it is the one production that just always has an audience. Mm. There are people who are hungry for poetry, who are hungry for something different. The market is saturated with DJs and clubbing and beers and drinking. Some people just want to go out, have a coffee, grab a pizza, have a good meal, listen to some amazing um, poetry, gain something, learn something. Um, so people should go out there, create the platforms. Uh, for all the lovers of poetry that are listening tonight, please come join us at the Soweto Theatre. Every last Thursday of the month is Poetic Thursdays. 
Um, and we have an awesome foursome ticket, which is four tickets and four drinks for 200 bucks. So people must definitely do that. Um, so that you can just have a nice time and live a whole life. Um, and then just for young people moving forward, it is our time. And what we want is what we create, what we make. So imagine yourself, imagine your country, imagine your continent, imagine yourself within that space and what you see, and every day make sure you're working towards the image that you have of yourself in your country on your continent. Well, I like that closing very, very much. Thank you so much to Nomsa Mazwai and Natalia Molebazi, who are both poets and authors in their own right in South Africa. Definitely speaking there from a young person's perspective and creating our own spaces and, and claiming those spaces as you've emphasized there, Nomsa. Thank you both ladies so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Just a reminder, Spotlight Africa, a feature program that showcases and highlights African issues from an African perspective, can be heard every Wednesday How was it? at 10 nice, hours. Nice. Yes. That nice. it was good that it repeats on Wednesday at 300 nice. hours, yeah. Thursday at 300 hours, and Sunday at 1300 hours lucidity. Listen to Spotlight Africa, a program that interrogates issues from an African perspective. Spotlight Africa.